Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is July the 26th, 2022. It's late morning, early afternoon, actually, in California. Mid-afternoon on the East Coast, evening uh, in Europe. Yesterday, we did a really interesting show, I thought. Of course, I have to say that uh, because it's my show. But it was actually pretty interesting with a German writer uh, on medicine, um, Harold H.H.W. Schmidt. He has an interesting new book out, The End of Medicine as We Know It and Why You're health has a future. It's an unusually optimistic take on the future of medicine. And what was interesting is that he sees the history of medicine as having a finished history, that we can figure these diseases out with data, big data and AI. And we're about to enter an entirely revolutionary period um, in the history of medicine. As I said, his book is called The End of Medicine as We Know It. One of the things I brought up with him, I said, well, what about a condition like schizophrenia? Does that mean it just ends? And he suggested that we can fix it, that we can come up with solutions. And of course, there are lots of definitions of schizophrenia. Depends which one you look at. It could be the World Health Organization, could be the Mayo Clinic, could be something you you figure out on, on Wikipedia. But schizophrenia is the kind of medical condition which is incredibly complicated and indeed controversial. And that, as it happens, is what we're about to talk about today. Uh, A new book out with a a fascinating um, title, particularly in the context of Schmidt's book. It's Schizophrenia, an Unfinished History, rather than any finished history. Uh, And the author, uh, Orna Ophir, is joining us from uh, New York. She is a trained doctor as well as uh, a professor at the NYU School of uh, Gallatin of Interdisciplinary Studies. Uh, Orna, welcome. I don't want to get into the Schmidt book because I'm sure you haven't read it, but this idea of finished and unfinished histories... um, For you, of course, the subtitle of your book is Schizophrenia and Unfinished History. Why did you choose that subtitle? Uh, Thank you for having me, uh, Andrew, and I wish I did hear the interview from yesterday. Um, But I guess these are two ways of uh, looking at at history. You know, we know books about the end of history, and I think that now most of these authors are rethinking uh, whether it is possible. Um, You know, I I called my, uh, I named my book Unfinished History. um, Because I think we still have a long, long, long way to go but also when it comes to schizophrenia or to mental illnesses, but also because um, in, in the writing of history of psychiatry, there are a few uh, genres, you know, one is the uh, rise and fall um, 
One is the pendulum that you know swings between um, the, the psychological or the psychodynamic models and the more biological ones. Um, and the other is seeing um, psychiatry either as a, a profession that constantly progresses towards uh, better understanding, better treatment, or psychiatry as um, as a failure, as a discipline that is um, the, the last book from uh, Andrew uh, Skull is uh, Desperate Remedies, so that, you know, um, or Anne Harrington, Mind Fixers. Um, but uh, my history is a history that um, speaks about schizophrenia as um, an unstable um, concept. So I'm speaking about a diagnosis that is um, shape-shifting, uh, not because we know more, uh, about the condition, but about but because we are uh, because we have different perspective. Um, it's a, a, my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Schizophrenia is a medical diagnosis. It was invented by Paul Bloor, a German uh, doctor, a Swiss actually Swiss psychiatrist and humanist um, uh, in the early 20th century. Perhaps, uh, Orna, you might define what you mean by it. What, what, what is the, what is the um, accepted, non-controversial definition of schizophrenia that you work off in the book? Yeah, you know, you showed uh, Paul Eugen Bloiler who um, coined the term. And again, schizophrenia was not discovered or, uh, you know, it's not like COVID. Uh, it was coined as a as a medical diagnosis in 1908, in a very specific milieu, where um, you know it was in the Bergholzli Clinic in Switzerland, where um, Bloiler tried to correct a term that uh, his uh, um, an older colleague Emil Kreppelin coined um, dementia precox or the uh, inevitable. Uh, deterioration of, of the mind of young people. Um, and since then, uh, this very word, you know, this very term um, came to describe many other things. The one constant, I think, that we have is um, uh, a detachment uh, from reality, a withdrawal from society, um, and, um, and, and, uh, damage to, to the ability to function in, in society. Um, so this would be, uh, you know, something that is constant, but, um, but the diagnosis itself changed a lot since, uh, 1908. Um, and, Many now would rather see it just as an end state of many other um, mental disorders or mental difficulties uh, that were um, not treated well, that were uh, neglected. And I, I, I 
tend to agree with this um, with this definition um, that it's really um, an end stage, not that schizophrenia is uh, um, incurable, uh, terrible madness, our, our most troubling madness, the paradigmatic form of madness, but it's really uh, an end stage. Um, just as a heart failure can be an end stage of many other um, difficulties or uh, illnesses. Orna, you teach at the Gallatin School at NYU. Actually, my son just graduated from, from there, a particularly interdisciplinary school, mixing science, technology, history, culture, the arts. Do you think that the sort of the intellectually eclectic skills you bring to this lends itself to a study of schizophrenia, particularly given that, as you suggest, um, the foundations of this diagnosis was discovered in Middle Europe at the beginning of the 20th century, a particularly fertile and controversial time for identifying, making sense of mental illness. Um, you know, Gallatin is, uh, I came to Gallatin from uh, the humanities centers at Johns Hopkins, uh, which was um, a very good experience for me also because it was, uh, you know, Hopkins has a big medical school and a big uh, department for uh, history of medicine. But Gallatin is special uh, since um, most of these students are not trained to be uh, professional. It's not, uh, you know, pre-med or pre-law or uh, they train to think critically uh, about whatever phenomenon they encounter. Um, so I'm teaching there uh, this, I think I came here in 2017. And since then, I've been teaching a course on the history of madness from um, the Bible to, to DSM-5. And um, it was um, it was a very uh, fertile soil to um, think and elaborate my ideas about um, about schizophrenia and about the change that I was seeing, which I think your uh, previous speaker, uh, I think psychiatry is also going in this direction. Uh, so there is um, there is this. You can say, yeah, you can say megalomaniac uh, idea of really finding uh, everything we we need to know um, about the mind if we just look carefully enough inside our genes, our cells, our um, our brain circuits. Do you think, um, Orna, that? Your book is, of course, an unfinished history. That itself is it's a polemical observation. But if we're to do a history, a real history of schizophrenia, do we need to tell a cultural and economic story as well? Of course, uh, Michel Foucault strongly believed that. Do we need to understand power and control in the context of the rise of diagnoses like schizophrenia? Yes, for sure. Um, in fact, some of the um, both doctors and patients and families who are pushing for the abolition 
of uh, the term schizophrenia uh, are emphasizing specifically, you know, that um, schizophrenia is nothing more than a manifestation of uh, chronic stress, uh, traumas, um, social isolation, uh, all kind of environmental uh, factors like uh, uh, social defeat, economic adversity, um, and that, in fact, um, there is, um, you know, um, Stephen Jay Gould in his book, The Mismeasure of Men, shows that when we are um, moving to models that are mostly uh, biological and reductionist, it usually happens um, when we are also uh, um, in, in periods where the um, ideology is of, uh, of political uh, retrenchment. So the, he, he says it's a destruction of, uh, of social generosity. Um, and we do see very clearly that um, we, there, there is more than, uh, and it's not that I want to throw out the, uh, you know, the, the biological baby with the social political uh, bathwater, but um, we do see that there is a lot of uh, ideology, political, economical, behind the way we um, think about schizophrenia and treat it. So, for example, you know, in the uh, when uh, Reagan uh, um, slashed the the funds for a community a mental health center, suddenly we also see uh, much more interest uh, and investment in seeing schizophrenia as a as a brain disease and in finding uh, treatments in in psychopharmaceuticals um, uh, solutions. Uh, we see Bush speaking about the decade of the brain and treating schizophrenia as a brain disorder. Um, so, so we want to think about not only uh, and now with you know with all the gun control measures, uh, we hear a lot the, the the diagnosis of schizophrenia coming up, as if you know. Uh, we should not necessarily um, um, think and uh, uh, treat and investment, diagnose social failures, but that we should see it in the you know individual human in his brain, in her, in their brain, and and treat it there. Well, oh, no, it seems to me, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, that there are two things going on simultaneously. On the one hand, we have an age, and you perhaps gave the explanation, an age of anxiety, maybe reflecting a crisis of democracy, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, and so on. Uh, more and more anxiety, particularly in, co in, the, in, in, in an age of COVID, and particularly amongst young people. But simultaneously, there seems to be, in, in some ways, a, a crisis in the diagnosis of... Um, of schizophrenia, you even note in the uh, preface to the book that it's possible that um, uh, the, 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 the term 
uh, and the diagnosis might actually disappear. Is there a connection between these two things? Yeah, so, you know, I was very excited when uh, we started to think about spectrums um, in, in, you know, our diagnosis and the, um, the, the option of not seeing people who are, um, you know, suffering as categorically different than us. But I did, I did notice that with the move towards um, spectrums or, uh, you know, gradient of psychopathology, um, there was also a diagnosis creep or, you know, there were now under the, the very large umbrella of uh, schizophrenia spectrum, we also had, have, you know, uh, um, patients who are, um, who have, let's say, schizotypal uh, personality disorder, which is, you know, people who are uh, somewhat odd or, uh, you know, um, behave a bit strangely or uh, think differently. Um, so I thought that, you know, the end of the schizophrenia or the possible end of schizophrenia could happen either because of this move to spectrums, which in other fields we are happy about, right? So we're happy that there is, uh, we speak about neurodiversity, we speak about, uh, you know, a spectrum of sexuality. Um, you know, it's, it's a different world where... Um, Even a spectrum of the body, of gender. Yes, yes. Definitely. So we think of, you know, this, this ability to um, not use categories uh, as, as a, let's say, a more progressive way of seeing the, uh, you know, the black and white kind of reality. But um, there is a catch there because, you know, when we extend the spectrum so, um, so much, we... Um, you know, in, in, in both, in, in one end of the spectrum, we find, uh, you know, individual that we would call them at risk. So um, if we are in our, you know, neoliberal age uh, using um, treatment for the individual and mostly, you know, medical, biological treatment, uh, uh, medicine, then seeing this these individuals or at one end of the spectrum as um, at risk could also mean that we start to medicate very early. So, uh, so the spectrum on the one hand allows us to um, start to, to, to um, you know, diagnose and treat early enough. And prevention is something that I think uh, uh, you know, psychiatry is still lagging behind and, and very much wants to uh, pick up with, you know, to, to be able to prevent uh, uh, suicide, hospitalization, um, um, and other, you know, kind of miseries. Um, but do we prevent uh, deterioration to the, you know, to the other side of the spectrum by... Um, uh, early uh, um, detection and uh, early medication, uh, as, as one of my colleagues said, you know, jump the gun, 
or we start early by addressing, uh, you know, uh, poverty, racism, sexism, uh, unemployment, and all other forms of uh, powerlessness that um, facilitate um, uh, stress reduction and that um, facilitate self-care and uh, uh, support in the community. Um, so, and, and so this is one reason why, you know, we're going to uh, lose schizophrenia because we will lose it in the spectrum. And the other reason is that there is a very strong lobby of patients and doctors and family members who see this diagnosis as, um, as uh, stigmatizing. Um, you know, they they call it uh, a, a diagnosis, a, a death sentence, or uh, you know, a diagnosis of death. Um, and they, uh, as, as, as uh, something that is permanent, uh, unfixable, uh, incurable, um, and they they are trying to get rid of it. And they offer you know different names that are not just you know, sem offering semantic difference, but they're offering a completely different way of looking at this condition. Do you approve of this? I mean, are you, you're a historian in a sense, or an unfinished historian of schizophrenia, mm -hmm. but what is your view, Orna? Should, should we be using the word, the diagnosis, more or less? Do you celebrate its demise? So this is where I... I I say we should be of two minds because um, we we can see you know the the benefits of of um, seeing the spectrum um, instead of just seeing uh, people who we call schizophrenia as, as categorically different, like a different species or uh, you know others. Um, but we can also benefit from seeing their difference. So we can also benefit from, and whatever, I, I do think that we should ask, uh, uh, should consult with patients. And um, there is a whole movement of patients that are um, reclaiming, you know, their experience. Uh, they are, uh, they, they call it a decolonizing process because the, you know, it, it's in, in, in a kind of an emancipatory process. They want to be part of the um, writing of this history, which is, you know, uh, changing the name means something for them more than it means for me as a historian or for me as a clinician. And it's also, uh, um, um, you know, a, a step towards uh, epistemic justice because usually these people were not... Um, held as um, people who are, who has, uh, you know, a capacity as knowers. Um, so being of two minds is saying, you know, I am using the word, the term schizophrenia as long as it's uh, in the DSM, because you know, as Rachel Cooper uh, was a philosopher of science rights, we are, we're locked in the system, like we're locked in the QWERTY uh, keyboard. Um, if the patient needs to be reimbursed or uh, if he needs to get, they need to get uh, uh, disability benefits. But uh, I won't, and this is the other mind, um, 
when I sit with a person, I'm not uh, thinking in terms of of, um, of a diagnosis, uh, whether it's schizophrenia or whatever kind of name we will uh, one day uh, call uh, these kind of conditions. Um, in fact, if you ask most clinicians, I think they first, uh, when they see a new patient, they first want to know if what they suffer from is organic. So are we speaking about, you know, uh, uh, brain tumor or uh, uh, intoxication or uh, Alzheimer or uh, Parkinson, or it's non or it's functional or non-organic? And then they would ask themselves, it is like if it is psychosis or neurosis. Is it like a severe um, disorder or it's uh, less so? Um, On a given. How screwed up the world seems to be, environmental catastrophe, we're on the brink of, perhaps even involved with now, inequality, mm-hmm. brought up gun control, COVID, so on and so forth. Do you think it's almost odd if you're not touched with some sort of mental instability, given how screwed up the world is? Hmm. Uh Well, I think we um, we should stay sane, and we should stay responsible. And um, but you still use that word "sane," then you think it's a useful word? In fact, I think that you know, madness and sanity are more useful than all the the, the many, many, many words we have uh, in our uh, classification system. Um, there is something about. Um, yeah, there is something I think hopeful in the in the story I tell, um, because because the the ability to move to change, um, to um, to change our perspective, even when the when the reality doesn't change, um, is um, is something that gives us hope. Um, what advice would you give when uh, people will be watching and listening to this, perhaps with friends or relatives, loved ones, who, re, who who manifest some of the symptoms of schizophrenia? What what advice would you give, given the controversy around the term? Is it something people should think about, or simply disregard and focus on the condition, the the, the condition of illness? Yeah, you know, the, the problem with diagnosis is that, you know, we use it not only for our own bureaucratic needs. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean and it doesn't mean much um, for the kind of treatment we give. Right. So uh, you should, if you're uh, if you have Alzheimer or if you have schizophrenia, uh, it depends on the symptoms you have. This this would decide what kind of medication you get. Um, but I would say it's not so, we sometimes have to give a diagnosis because um, it's a relief for the patient to, uh, to know what is wrong with them, what, what they suffer from. Um, so I, I, I had a chance to speak to a few communities now after the, the, the book was published. And uh, in Soteria, which is a, a, 
an alternative uh, to uh, alternative house for um, people with in the acute phase of uh, psychosis, and it's it's an alternative for hospitalization. Uh, one of the um, and there is an, a completing quality there. So it's a house. It's like just a, a residential place. And, uh, you know, patients and doctors are wearing their clothes. So you, you don't see the difference between them. But in my audience, there was one um, young woman who said, you know, uh, I, I don't see anything stigmatizing about schizophrenia. And, you know, I, uh, it was a relief to know what I have. So uh, it was a relief to know that this is what I have, that, you know, doctors saw it before, they know what to do with it, they have a kind of medication for it, etc. Um, but I would say that, you know, and I saw during my career at the hospital, I saw how, um, you know, having a diagnosis and getting uh, medication can help, uh, especially in the acute phase. But I also saw how disastrous it is when this is the only form of treatment and um, when it's given, you know, for uh, long term. Um, I think what I would recommend somebody who, who gets this kind of uh, diagnosis or whatever would come to replace it, you know, in, in Japan, they call it now integration disorder in South Korea, they call it attunement disorder. Um, I would just advise to, um, to, to talk to someone, to talk uh, and to have, uh, you know, Freud uh, said in 1913 that uh, the craziest speeches and uh, queerest poses and attitude um, that schizophrenic patients display become very intelligible if we approach them with in the spirit of psychoanalysis, which means that in the spirit of, you know, every symptom has a meaning um, and we can listen to it. Um, I write in my book about the voice hearer who are now trying to, or now since the eighties and they're very big and they're all over the world, but they say that if you listen to the voices, uh, you hear more about broken societies than about a broken brain. So I would just recommend, you know, have someone who can listen and who can make meaning of whatever uh, you or your son or your daughter is suffering from. Perhaps not just listening, but also reading. Many people will have perhaps become familiar with um, yeah, schizophrenia from, from the best-selling book by Sylvia Nassar, Beautiful Mind, on uh, about... Yeah. Uh, John Nash, one of the great mathematicians. Um, are there books in addition to your own, um, Orner, that you think are helpful to make sense of this? I mean, yours is a more formal history. What do you think of uh, A Beautiful Mind? Is it a good introduction in its own way? Yeah, it's a terrific one. And, um, and the, I, I also like the film. Um, and it is, uh, it, it's a story of, um, of um, a person who, you know, uh, broke down and then uh, managed to, to find a way uh, to recover, which is not, he died when he was 86 in a car accident. So most schizophrenic patients uh, die much earlier. 
but he also uh, stopped taking his medication. Um, so at a certain moment, he said, you know, there was something in my body that is, I think he says it was something with hormonal changes um, that changed and that he didn't need to uh, take. Uh, and, and when I say taking medication, it's not like taking Tylenol. It's taking sometimes seven kinds of medications that are, all of them have side effects. And, um, and usually this kind of cocktail in the long run is, is uh, damaging. Um, in terms of books, I have, I very much like uh, Camille Ropsi's uh, Desalination. It's her book. Uh, Camille is, a, is my colleague at um, at Well Cornell. She's uh, the the subtitle is Politics, Philosophy, and Radical Psychiatry in Postwar France, um, and it is both about um, uh, it's 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 about uh, uh, Francois Tuscaillez, who was a Catalan uh, psychiatrist who um, developed a kind of treatment uh, for uh, mentally ill patients um, in that it was called institutional psychotherapy and where he uh, assumed that um, the mentally ill are suffering from double alienation. So one alienation is the, the their own illness. And the other is that they are cast out or cut off the social. So um, in, in St. Alban, where they began their uh, treatment, they uh, created a different kind of community where uh, there were no walls between uh, the hospital and the, and the village. There was no, uh, no difference between the, the doctors and the patients in terms of uh, the way they dressed, uh, what they did in, on, on, in the hospital in terms of cooking and uh, and writing uh, newspapers, etc. And what I really like about um, her book is that she brings it back to the present and to the way uh, now we are uh, we don't use enough uh, the common or you know uh, communities, um, um, the social, in order to um, to um, help each other. Um, so she, she speaks about, you know, austerity and Trumpism and Brexit and COVID-19 and um, that really we, we can learn from that experiment to, um, to find ways of, uh, of being supportive. Um, Perhaps it's no coincidence, Orna, that the, the idea of schizophrenia was born in Switzerland at about the same time as the ideas around neoliberalism were also developed, also in Switzerland. Mount Pelerin, it's an interesting, uh, co perhaps more than coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. I would just add, because I think that, you know, when you speak about books, it's also always, you mentioned Beautiful Mind, but I think memoirs are really helpful in learning more about... Um, about all kinds of mental difficulties. Um, so I would recommend uh, Tom Mitchell's uh, Mental Traveler, A Father, A Son, uh, and a Journey Through Schizophrenia. Um, 
um, his son was diagnosed, Gabriel was diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was um, 21 and he uh, committed suicide when he was 38. Uh, but he also felt that there was something about schizophrenia, um, the diagnosis of schizophrenia that felt as a death uh, sentence. Um, and he left uh, many drawings and uh, writings and, and a film where, uh, you know, both him, his, fam his family, his father, his mother, his sister are trying to transform this death sentence into uh, a learning experience. You might just remind us, honor again, of the book and its title, its author. Uh, so it's Tom Mitchell, and it's called Mental Traveler. <laughs>